Good evening, church. Welcome to Subiaco Church of Christ. If this is your first time with us, or if this is your 15th, no, no, 15,000 is a bit too many. If, if you're a regular here, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us and worshiping together. As we begin, I would like us to remember that we are here to worship our God who has saved us, that we are lost without Him, that He is our life and our hope. So as we stand together, can I ask that we would sing with joy and enthusiasm? Let's praise our God together. Can I invite you to sing? Very breath I breathe. Giver of every breath I breathe. Author of all eternity. Giver of every perfect thing. To you be the glory. Maker of heaven and of earth. No one can comprehend your worth. King over all the universe. To you be the glory. I'm alive because I'm alive in you. And it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. Yes, it's all because the blood of Jesus Christ that covers me and raises dead men alive. Oh, it's all because of Jesus, I'm alive. Let's sing that again, church. Give up every breath I breathe. Give up every breath I breathe. Author of all eternity. Give up every perfect thing. To you be the glory. Maker of heaven and of earth, no one can comprehend your worth. The King over all the universe, to you be the glory. I'm alive because I'm alive in you. Oh, it's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all the blood of Jesus Christ that covers me and raised this dead man's life. This is all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus I'm alive. It's all because the blood of Jesus Christ. Covers me, raise this dead man's life. 
pray together, church. Oh, Father, we thank you that we are your people. We are the people of the risen King. We thank you that in your life, we have life. That in your salvation, we have hope. So, Father, I pray that even as we contemplate all of these things, we might glorify your name.
Take a seat as we prepare our hearts for communion. Well, we come to the time of our service where we, as a church family, we come and we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And that was a great song, isn't it, to really prepare our hearts to celebrate communion. Because it is in that song where we proclaim and declare who we believe in. And that shows our unity, unity in our God, a God who has loved us and gave us Jesus. And in this time where we come as a church family, we cast our minds back to Jesus on the road to Calvary. And in that song, we just sang that Jesus descended into darkness. He died. And then he rose again in glorious light in his resurrection. And that story, the death and resurrection of Christ, that's the climax of a story that began more than a thousand years before him. In Exodus chapter 24, after Moses has given the law to the Israelites, he confirms this covenant that, Lord, uh, that God has given with them. First, he offers a burnt sacrifice to God, and then he sacrificed young bulls as a fellowship offering. And then what he did, he, he took half the blood of the sacrifices, he put it in bowls, and then what he did was that he sprinkled this blood on the people. And then he said this, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord, that Yahweh, has made with you. The blood of the covenant that signifies that they are God's people, that God is their God. He has rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He will now be with them, provide for them, bless them, protect them, and call them his people. And this blood came from a sacrifice. And this theme of blood, it's pretty important through the scriptures all the way through the New Testament, where we come and we see God sending Jesus as a sacrifice to atone for our sins. At the Last Supper, he ate with his disciples. Just before he was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, gave thanks, and said to his disciples, this is my body, take and eat. After that, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he broke, he gave it to the disciples and said, drink from it, all of you. This is the, my blood of the covenant, my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And as we come to celebrate communion and the Lord's Supper, that's what we are remembering. During Moses' time, it was the blood of the sacrificed blood of young bulls, but now it's the, we celebrate the blood of Jesus Christ that covers our sins. Jesus, blood of the covenant. And Jesus saying to us, I'm your God, you are my people. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, this is what John says after he talked about and saw this great vision of God. And then he says, to him who loves us, to him, Jesus who loves us, and saves us from our sins, freed us from our sins by his blood. That is exactly what we remember when we come to the Lord's Supper. And all this is done only through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. So this evening, that's what we're doing as we come to celebrate communion. We remember the blood, we remember the body of Jesus given to us. 
Parents, if you're here and you, this is something that you have discussed with your children and they understand what the Lord's Supper is all about, they know that this is something that we remember Jesus by, we invite them to come along to receive the communion elements as well. But if this is something you haven't done so, take this opportunity this week. Just talk to them about that, about what it means. And then you can come back next week and you can join with them. Let me pray before we come and receive the communion elements. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he has done for us. That he sacrificed himself. That his blood is the blood of the covenant. That now we can call you our Father, our God. And you can call us our, your people. We thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy. And the salvation that we have in and through Christ. Secured to us by the Spirit. And this evening, as we come to celebrate and receive the Lord's Supper, we pray that by your Spirit, you help us to draw us closer to Jesus, remembering his life, death, and resurrection, that our faith will be nourished. So, Father, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here, if you're not a Christian, we ask that you remain seated. Please don't feel pressured to come and take, but let me first invite the first few rows to stand up and come to the front and receive the communion elements. Please hold the bread and a cup. We will partake of them together. Let's remember the body of Jesus given to us. Let's eat together. And this is the blood of Christ given to us. Let's drink together. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the blood and body of Christ. We thank you for your love and grace and mercy in and through him. What an amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I invite you to stand as we sing our next song? Just 
great love for us and we love you and we honor you and we bless your name and we pray in jesus name amen welcome once again to subi church before you take your seat why don't you greet the people next to you as well Well, it's good to see you, and uh, some of you know I, I, I did my thing with COVID, COVID's over, proved I do not have COVID now, I'm wearing a mask just out of respect for you, and, and maybe I don't want to get the flu, but whatever it is, um, we'll, uh, we'll make it. Uh, this is the first uh, weekend of the month, and you know what that means, and here's where I'm going to give just a word of repentance, it's personal repentance. I have not focused enough on Scripture at Subi. We just sang about our love for our Lord, and part of the way we express that love is by hiding His Word in our hearts. And it's, it, it, it shames me, but I was talking to my wife, and I said, you know, I can remember the last, you know, the last four months. What were the first two months? I know they were together. And they are what? 
John 3, 16 and 17. So it's really not impressive. So we've got to work at it. And I want you to work with me at it. And we're going to do all six. And then I'm going to challenge you this week. Work at Scripture at Subi because these are amazing passages of Scripture. Just by way of example, uh, I was talking to somebody, and they were talking about, you know, God's will judge the unrighteous, and whether he, has, whether he has the right to do that or not. And I said, you need to think about God is love, and then I could use John 3, 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, and for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He realized that's the God we worship. So let's, uh, let's start. Uh, we're going to have all the words for you, okay? I'm giving you a break. I need a break. But we're going to work on this together. So let's take some time. And we're going to start with January, which is John chapter 3, verse 16. You ready? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We know the next verse because it just follows. Ready? John chapter 3, verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So we got two verses in John 3, and then we're going to follow up with two verses from Isaiah 53. So we're going to go 2, 2, and 2. You'll see the, the new one coming up. And if you probably have that card, you'll know it's from Philippians chapter 2. So we'll go 2, 2, and 2, all right? So two verses from Isaiah 53, the first one. One that many of us know, but, but it's one that we want to, again, hide in our heart and just take it to heart. You ready? Let's do it. Isaiah 53, verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now we're going to go to a verse that was a little bit harder for us. It's Isaiah 53, 11. But I want to point out that at the end it says the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So that's where we finish up with verse 6. And then we get to the same thought after he has suffered. So we think about the suffering servant. We think about the Lamb of God after he has suffered, and so there's going to be three S's, after he has suffered, see, satisfied. So we're going to start that way, so just a little demonic help. And then he's going to end with, and bear our iniquities. And so remember, he has laid the iniquity of us all on him, and he will bear our iniquities. Okay, you ready? Let's do Isaiah 53, 11. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. And then we're going to go to our May verse, which is Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And again, we're speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in Isaiah, we know it's prophetic. It's pointing to the suffering servant. And now in Philippians, we're looking back and looking at the person of Jesus Christ so let's do this one together. You ready to say the uh, reference first? Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, 
even death on a cross. So think about what our Lord, Son of God, did. He humbles himself. He becomes obedient even to death on a cross. Now, there's going to follow up on that because there's going to be a therefore in the very next verse, and that's the verse we'll be memorized uh, today, this month, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. So here's the therefore, because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, here's the therefore. Let's do the passage together. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So it's kind of easy if you think about the name, place, and our response, our posture. So God exalts him to the highest place, gives him the name that is above every name, so highest place highest name. What's our response? Well, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Let's do that one more time. You ready? This is our June verse. We're going to get a head start on it. We're going to get it down this month, and we're going to work on all six of these passages, and we're going to do scripture super together because we love our Lord. You ready? Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Let's do it together. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Praise God. We're going to have our announcements. Good evening, everyone. It's great to see everyone here this evening. Uh, whether you're a regular here at Subi Church or if you're a visitor passing by, it's great to be with you and we hope you'll be blessed by the service today. My name is Kanina and I'm a member of the staff here at Subi Church. If you are a primary school kid here today, this is the time in the service where you're dismissed to go to your Subi Kids classes. If you're a visiting family, your kids can also join our Subi Kids classes where they'll learn more about Jesus. Um, so please feel free to take them to the Subi Kids reception just to the left of the auditorium. At Subi Church, we have Connect Cards. And you can find physical copies like this one on your seats or on the seats next to you. Um, or you can access a digital version of the Connect Card via the QR code on the back of the chairs. And everyone is welcome to fill one in. These Connect Cards, um, they not only help us to know that you're here, but if you'd like to inquire about our ministries, get connected into a small group, or to provide feedback on the service, and most importantly, if you'd like for us to pray for you, or if you need support in some way, um, you can fill in a Connect Card and let us know, um, especially if you're already a member of this church. So the, the house lights are going to be brightened briefly. Um, this is just to give you an opportunity to fill one in, and hopefully the lights will make it easier for you to see as well. Another thing we do here at Subi Church, particularly if you're a member here, is to give of our offering. We recognize the goodness that God has blessed us with in our lives and in response to our faith in Christ. We give our offering, and that's what makes gospel ministries possible in and through our church. So there are a few ways that you can do this. Offerings can be given online. 
An easy way for you to do this is to set up a regular payment through your bank. You can find out more information on how to do that on our website, or you can take a green leaflet like this from the cubby hole at the back of the auditorium that will tell you how to do that as well. Otherwise, you can also do a direct physical giving. There are white envelopes also at the back of the auditorium in the cubby hole, and you can put the envelopes into the offering box just near the auditorium doors. So let's take a moment to pray for our offering. Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessings you've poured into our lives. You give us what we need, and we ask that you work in our hearts that we might love you more each day. Please bless our offering as they are used to further your kingdom here in Perth and beyond. Amen. We have an event coming up next week, the Women's Ministry Night. It's happening next Wednesday on the 8th of June. It'll run from 7.30 to 9 p.m. in the Church Cafe. And all women of all ages are invited. Please bring your friends along. And it'll be a great time of, an encour of encouragement and fellowship amongst women from all three of our services. So at this event, we'll have Catherine Smith, who will be sharing with us from God's Word. She is a member of Subi Church, and she's also a BSF teaching leader. We'll also be hearing from Becca, one of our Subi missionaries, who is currently ministering in the Middle East. If you'd like to attend, please RSVP via your Connect card, um, and you can give this to us. And lastly, we welcome a new addition into our Subi Church family. Congratulations to Leong and Fung Jong on the birth of their daughter, Melody Shan Mei Jong, on 18th of April. Melody is their second child and little sister to Joseph. So praise God for a safe delivery. Uh, please pray for them as they settle into life as a new family of four. Thank you. Good evening, Subi Church. I'm bringing you the Bible reading, which is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths but you Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me 
but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Thank you, Rose. We're going to be talking about taking God seriously in transitions. Now, the transition is going to be Elijah and Elisha, but we have examples in the New Testament as well. And that from Philipp, uh, from uh, first our Second Second Timothy was an excellent example of the Apostle Paul saying, "I'm passing the baton to you, Timothy. It's yours now. You take it and you go with it." And so we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about Elijah and Elisha. And again, I just want to recognize God's goodness as we are able to come to him in prayer. So we're going to spend some time in prayer. Some of you may be aware we have state youth games on right now, so our team is uh, down there. And so let's uh, pray for our team, for their safety, and there'll be an evangelistic uh, message that'll be given tonight by uh, Pastor David Skirving. So we'll just pray for that as well. Also, we continue to pray for what's going on in Ukraine. 100 days, then it's not over, and our commitment is to pray for peace. Uh, for those who have given to the Ukraine appeal, again, thank you. Be aware uh, of how you're giving, and just be conscientious of what I said uh, last time, is that the number that you put in in giving that, they are going to, you put it in Australian dollars, they're translating that as if you were committing in American dollars. So just be aware of that. And so right now, the exchange is about $1.40 for every um, for every Australian dollar, or for every American dollar, it's about $1.40. So just be aware of that. We want to keep praying for that ministry and for that outreach. It's not letting up. That's the thing. It's just not letting up. And the tragedies are going on every day. Uh, some of you are aware in my home state, I tried not to watch a lot of news when I had COVID, but I watched some. Uh, in my home state, there was, a, again, a shooting. It's terrible, and I'm just praying for God's grace and even for the lawmakers to do something about it. Many of us, myself included, just don't want to hear that anymore. So we've just got to do something. So pray for grace for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for God's blessing upon us. We also want to continue to pray for our new government and a new prime minister, and that's our charge, that's our calling. We will pray. So I'm just going to give you a moment to pray silently. If you have a need personally, bring that to the Lord in prayer right now. Remember these big things that are going on in our world, but no prayer request is too small for our God. Father, we have already proclaimed our belief in you and the Trinitarian God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will proclaim that you so loved the world that you gave Jesus Christ into the world, the suffering servant, the one who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross, and the one who is exalted right now. And there will be a day when every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord, right now we confess your goodness, your grace, your love, your forgiveness, your mercy in our lives. And Lord, we pray once again for mercy in our world. We pray for an end to this, this terrible war in Ukraine. We pray that the Russian troops would be withdrawn, and we pray for peace. We pray that the refugees could return home. But until they get to return home, I do pray that you would provide for them, and we thank you that we in some small way, can provide through this local church in Romania. 
and bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we also want to pray for our country, for our nation, for our government, for our new prime minister, for the government that he is forming, and we pray for wisdom, for skill. We pray that the decisions that he makes and how he leads would be good for Australia, that we recognize that righteousness exalts a nation, and so we pray once again for righteousness. Father, we also want to just again recognize those who are ill and sick, those who are suffering, and we do not take your healing for granted, and we thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We thank you again for the medical doctors, for the nurses, for our hospitals, for those who are on the front lines caring for others. And we do pray your blessing upon them in this nation and around the world. Father, we also want to pray for our young adult ministries and for a very important weekend for them. And it's not just the recreational time. It's the time of hearing the gospel, building friendships and relationships. And we do pray for our state youth games, for our team, and for all the teams down there, that you would be honored in everything that they do, that it would be an enjoyable time, but most of all, that Jesus Christ would be exalted. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you call us to worship you today, and we rejoice to do it. And Lord, we want to hear from your word and help us to take our living God seriously in everything we do. In Christ's name, amen. Let's, uh, let's talk about life transitions for a moment. So I'm going to show you a few pictures. You can guess what these might be. So I think you might guess that. So life transitions, sometimes you move on from education into another level of life. So graduation, that's a big transition. Uh, let's see the next one. Um, this guy's moving, that's the box, and I don't know why he's smiling, but he's moving. Um, so that's a, that's a, that can be a big transition. Whenever you've moved, it's not always that much fun, but this guy enjoys it. Now, uh, next one, uh, you can guess what that is. Getting married, that's a pretty big transition. That's a big deal. Okay, next one, having a baby, that's a big change, and uh, we recognize not everyone's going to get married this year. But there will be people in our church who are going to get married and have gotten married this year. Not everyone's going to have a baby this year, but there are people in our church who have just recently had a baby. We just celebrated that again on the, our, our announcements and others that are coming this year. So it's a big deal, life transition. Okay, do we have any more? Oh, this guy. Okay, yeah. So what's this guy? He's running up the ladder to success. Uh, you realize that ladder goes both ways, but no matter what... Um, no matter what, that's a transition. Whether you go up or down, it's always a transition. So my point is this. You may be in one of these life transitions or other transitions, but we all go through them. And my point is going to be this. How do we take God seriously in the transitions of life? Now, for my example, for my biblical story, I want to use the example of Elijah in his transition. So here's a picture of Elijah and his transition. And by the way, this is not likely to happen to you. So we're going to use this as a story, but don't expect it to happen to you. I'm not expecting it to happen to me. So here's Elijah waving goodbye, taking up to heaven. 
with the fiery horses and the fiery chariot. By the way, I get it, that's how we imagine that and so forth, but if you look over the screen over here, and Elijah went up into heaven, and what? A whirlwind. Now, there is a fiery chariot and horses in the story, but he goes up in a whirlwind. So if you actually know that, you're probably in the 90 percentile of, uh, of Christians' knowledge uh, in the Bible, but he goes up in a whirlwind. But artists like to put him in the chariot, fine by me. But nonetheless, it's a big transition for him, and it's going to involve not just him, but it will also involve Elisha. And that's who we're studying and, and using Elisha's life for this theme of taking God seriously. Now, let me talk about transitions. And let me give you an illustration of a critical transition in a track and field race, which is a race where you pass the baton or the baton, as you call it. Uh, so you're passing the baton. And you'll notice uh, one racer, the guy in red, is looking forward. He's not looking back, but he has his hand back. And the guy in blue, he is the one who has to hand that off. And that little circle, that's the critical space right there. Now, it looks easy, but it, you've seen people drop those things. Now, I, I, I did do some track. We did some of the, you know, the relays and so forth and, and so on. We were never very impressive in that. So if we made the exchange, we, we consider that good whether we won or not. But here's the thing about the exchange. So I do know something about the exchange, not only in track and field, but also in life. Because I have handed off the baton, and I've received the baton. And here's the thing about handing off the baton. you got to let go of it. In a transition, you got to let go. You don't get to hold on to the power stick. you got to give it away. That's part of the transition. And then the other thing, the guy who receives the baton, you got to take it and run and not look back. you got to take it and run and not look back. And so transitions are critical. This is a, a critical transition. And we, as a church, are going through a time of transition. I'll talk a little bit more about that, but I want us to recognize that we go through life transitions, individual transitions. We go through transitions in communities and so forth, and so we've just prayed for our government, our new government that is transitioning into power. Transitions are important. They're critical, and the deal is this. How do we take God seriously in the times of transitions. Well, Elijah's story, his transition, is going to be helpful to us. It's unique, but it'll be helpful. I want you to think about your transitions. Perhaps you're in the midst of one right now. How do you take God seriously in the midst of transition in life? How do you take God seriously? And what we're going to do is learn from Elijah and Elisha. So I'm going to get you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 2, and I'm going to read the first eight verses. And by the way, I think these verses are dynamite. I really like them. And, and when you read them with me, you may think, well, that was kind of weird. But, but they're really kind of interesting to me because I think it's important for transitions, and we're going to learn some neat lessons from these. So I'm going to ask you to stand as I read from 2 Kings chapter 2. And we're going to read about Elijah and his transition. Verse 1, 
When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, remember that, it was a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha, so Elijah the older prophet, Elisha the younger prophet, were on their way to Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and, said, and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me on to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company... The company of prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Verse 6, Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. That's the river. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed on dry ground. This is God's word. You may be seated. Like I said, fascinating story. I really like it. Uh, even just his first part. Here's the point. In times of transition, remember to stay faithful to the call. And so they're going to see this challenge that's going to go out from Elijah. And you wonder why this narrative. Three times he says to Elisha, stay here, stay here, stay here. Do you get that? Verse 2, verse 4, verse 6, not in verse 8, but, but you know what I mean. It's, it's in these three verses, 2, 4. Six, and Elisha's response is consistent. Every time he says the same thing, as surely as the Lord lives, so I'm going to take God seriously in this, and as you live, I will not leave you because, in essence, I am called to serve you. That's what you called me to do. That's what God called me to do, and so I will not leave that calling. Now, I also think it's interesting why is this in the text? Why do we have so much space on this? And one of the things, I, at least in my mind, one of the things I'm thinking back is the life of Elijah, great prophet. And there was a point after he uh, has his contest on Mount Carmel, and he flees from Jezebel. Now, he's victorious there. He stands up by himself against 450 prophets of Baal, but he flees from Jezebel, and he's depressed, and he just wants to die, and God has a conversation with him. So turn back to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we'll look at beginning verses 9 and 10. And I want you to see what's going on there, because I think it's going to relate to our passage today. So verse 9, there he went to a cave and spent the night. The word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am, notice, the 
only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. Later on, I'm going to move down uh, into uh, verse 13. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. What we see there is the reason for Elijah's depression. He, he feels like he's the only one holding up for the word of God, holding up for the truth, holding up for the living God. What's interesting to me is that at that point in his life, Elijah could say to God, I'm the only one. But here he is in this major transition from planet Earth into the presence of God. Big time transition. He says to Elisha every time, stay here, stay here, stay here. No way. As long as God lives and as long as you live, I'm not leaving you. What is he saying? Elijah, you're not the only one. And so we look at this passage, and he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And then it says, so the two of them walked on. I, I love that last thought. The two of them walked on. They just walked together. Isn't that interesting? There's going to be amazing principles here when it comes to major life transitions, and one of them that we can apply to our, in our world is this. When people are going through serious transitions, that's a time we can be Elisha to them. That's the time they need somebody to walk with them because transitions are hard. And Elijah doesn't get to say ever again, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Now, I want you to look over at uh, 1 Kings 19, just look at one more verse, verse 18, because God's going to tell him at that point something different than what he thinks. Verse 18, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouth have not kissed him. You need to recognize, Elijah, you're not the only one. But that's how he felt, and he was honest with God. That's how I feel. That's what I think. But God is going to tell him first, no, there's still a remnant. There's still people who love me. There's still people who haven't followed the false gods. And Elisha is going to say to him, I'm just not leaving you. So uh, all I can say is this. After all that Elijah has gone through, and by the way, when he stands up against the 450 prophets of Baal, he's standing by himself. He feels very lonely there. And sometimes it can feel lonely when we're serving the Lord. And we can feel it out in the world. And we can feel it in the workplace. And we can feel it in the classroom because I feel like I'm the only one. And sometimes those in ministry feel like, what am I doing? I, I feel like no one's there with me. Elisha teaches us an amazing lesson. Sometimes we can just be Elisha to somebody in times of transition. So the two of them walked on. Here's the question. When we go through transitions, when you go through transitions, you know you want somebody there with you. Major life transitions. Maybe we can be Elisha to someone as well. Walk on with them, the two of them. 
In times of transition, remember to stay faithful to the call. And that's what Elisha does. Here's the second point. We must allow God to make the difficult decisions. And, maybe, and I'm using allow God. But we've got to trust God to make difficult decisions. And look at verses 9 and 10. Then they crossed. And again, there's something very symbolic there, of course, crossing the Jordan on dry ground. Then they crossed, and Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Let me just point out, the request for a double portion is not saying, I want to do twice the ministry, I want to be twice the man you are. That's not what he's saying. It's more of an inheritance-type thought. In other words, I want to be able to carry your mantle. I want you to pass the baton to me. I want to continue your ministry. Now, Elijah, I think, would have loved to say, yes, go for it. It's yours. Take it. But here's Elijah saying, that's in God's hand. I do not have the right to give that away. That belongs to God. Now, here's the thing. If you see me when I depart, that request will be granted. If you do not, it will not be granted. And so we know that he gets to see him. But Elijah would like to grant the request, but it's up to God. It's, it's God's call. He says, you've asked a difficult thing. In other words, too difficult for me. I, I cannot stand in God's place. If you see me, if you see me, you will receive it. Uh, let me just point out, major transitions are often in God's hands, aren't they? I mean, we, we look at some of the major transitions in our life. And so even, you know, parents who have children, well, God had something to do with that, right? Life, death, marriage, major transitions. Yeah, God is involved. And we always want to take God seriously when we approach these times of transitions because we recognize God is God and we've got to let God be God. And what is Elijah doing here? Even though he'd love to say to Elisha, yeah, take it. He's basically saying, no, God gets that call, and God gets to be God, and he will make the decision. He will always make the right decision. One of the things I would say is this. We need to honor God in transitions by letting him be God. One of the important things that we do in this is just being people of prayer. In the midst of transition, we've got to be people of prayer and recognize our God. Third, we always build upon the faithful work of those who preceded us. So look at verses 11 and 12. As we were walking along, talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire, I told you that was going to come into play, and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. So that's actually the, the way it happened. Elisha saw this. So remember, seeing is going to be important. Saw this, and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Uh, let me just highlight a, a couple things there. First, uh, there's this sense of a, a, a level of respect that he's going to pay to Elijah. Elijah is taken up in a whirlwind. Now I'm going to give you another painting. Um, 
And so another painting, so they always seem to have Elijah in the chariot of fire, fine. You know, you know how it happens, though. There is a chariot of fire, there are horses of fire, but he's actually taken up in a whirlwind. Where the chariot went, I don't know. But he's taken up. But you notice what the phrase is, and Elisha says to Elijah, my father, my father. It's an obvious statement of respect. Uh, and then he, he, in sorrow, he tears his clothes. He sees the events. He's aware that he will receive a double portion. At that moment, he's aware he will receive a double portion. But his thoughts are on Elijah, not on himself. The meaning to the phrase, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. What I think he's talking about is not the, the, the chariots of fire or the horses and those type of stuff. He's talking about Elijah. Elijah is the strength of the nation. The nation will be exalted in righteousness, and it's Elijah who stands proclaiming the word of God. He is, in essence, a one-man army. Now, how do I know this? Because later on in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14, just before Elisha dies, the king in that day is going to make the exact same statement to Elisha. Why? Because the word of God, faithfully proclaimed, is the strength of any people. It's the strength of a church. It's the strength of a community. It is the strength of a nation. It is the strength of the world. And that's what Elisha is saying. This is my strength. You are that prophet. I mentioned one of the things that we're going to be doing in this church is that there'll be a time of transition. But one of the things I want to do is just uh, recognize that no one ever just starts on their own. There's always a team that's there. And one of the blessings that we've had in this church is have great men and women of God who have served this church. Now, on our history wall upstairs, you'll notice that it just features the senior pastors. They are not the only important people in the church in many ways, they represent a team of people, the elders, the deacons, the faithful servants in the church. But what's important in this church, if you go back, even to H.J. Banks, our very first pastor, is that there was a faithful proclamation of the word of God. Now, I'm aware not of all the ministries there, but I have looked at H.J. Banks. I know of Roy Raymond and his faithful proclamation of the word, a powerful man of God. I also uh, know Nigel Merrick and just how faithful he is to the Word of God. And of course, my brother Graham, who was here for 21 years. One of the things I recognize is you don't start. This is not your work. You're building on the faithfulness of others who faithfully proclaim the Word of God. And that's what Elisha is recognizing as well. He now takes the mantle. He will have the mantle. But he recognizes the strength of any nation is the faithfulness of proclaiming the word of God to God's people. Here's the fourth point. God's power is not limited to a particular person. And this, uh, we, we're going to see this clearly. Verse 13. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the back of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. 
when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Where is God? He's still there. We take him seriously. He's still there. Verse 15, the company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, the spirit of Elijah is resting upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. So when Elisha takes up the mantle, it's not simply the position, but also the responsibility that he knows he is there to faithfully proclaim the word of God. And we can transition, and there are transitions. And throughout the history of the church, there have been great people of God who have faithfully served God's people in their generation. My point is, praise God for them. But when God transitions, it's okay, because when we take God seriously, he can raise up another servant. Isn't that great? Now, one of my favorite uh, children's stories uh, is uh, Winnie the Pooh. And praise God, praise God, he has, uh, he's not been canceled yet. Isn't that great? But the characters are all amazing to me. I, I love them all. Uh, what about Tigger? I want to talk a little bit about Tigger. So here's, a, here's the thing about Tigger. What's the most wonderful thing about Tigger? I'm the only one. Here's the deal. You're not Tigger. I'm not Tigger. He's Tigger. He's the only one. The point I want to make is this. Yeah, God uses faithful servants in their day, and then in the transition, he will raise up somebody else because he's God. And that's what he does. And so, yeah, yeah, the Apostle Paul was pretty important. But then he's going to raise up Timothy and other Timothys. And then we see it throughout history. So, yeah, God uses Martin Luther and John Calvin in the Reformation, but God still raises up other men and women who are faithfully proclaim the word of God. And that's what we've got to do when we recognize and we take God seriously. I'm going to use this case in point of Paul and Timothy, and we've heard from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. But look at verses 1 and 2 again, because this is going to be uh, Paul's charge to Timothy. We know what's coming. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. But listen to what he says. In the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Now, what do you think is going to be surprising here? What's the strength of the church? What's the strength of the nation? Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Why? Well, there's a four there in verse 6. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. That's Paul. And that's Timothy. Now, we've got to think about it. We have to look at that and say, well, that's nice. So I'm not a Elijah or Elisha. I'm not Paul or Timothy. But it's interesting, as you look at the New Testament, we're not just spectators in transitions, are we? We actually, as the church of Jesus Christ, always have a role, always. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see the great hall of fame of faith for these Old Testament saints, men and women who have faithfully served the Lord, and it's their faith that uh, distinguishes them. And then Hebrews chapter 12, I, I want to go to that passage because we find a, a very interesting thought that he says after we've discussed all these great people of faith, therefore, 12 verse 1, 
since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, in other words, these people who say, you can do it, you can live that life of faith. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. One of the things that we need to recognize is that we are not simply spectators. We are there to run that race, and we participate in these times of transition. Let me give you three uh, points of application. So the first one I've already said, we're not simply spectators. What the writer of Hebrews is saying is we've been past the baton, therefore serve Jesus Christ in this generation. So with this church, and some of you know, it'll be about six months before I will transition out. And then there'll be a time of transition with a new senior pastor. But the point is this, we're all involved in the transition. We've all received the baton. Let us, let us, let us. It's not just handing it to one guy and watching him run with it. Finally, run with perseverance, the race marked out for you. In our transition, one of the things I want to do is, again, ask you to take it seriously. Pray about it. Pray for the elders. Pray for the next senior pastor. There's work going on. I'm convinced every week the elders are working very diligently every week. They need your prayers. They need your support. Stay faithful. That's what Elisha does. He stays faithful. Stay faithful. Honor God. We always respect those who've gone before us. That's part of our history. It's part of who we are. Praise God for the faithful men and women who have made this church what it is. And then, run with perseverance the race marked out for you. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that you have called us not just one or two of us, all those who know Christ Jesus, you have called us to follow Christ our Lord. And Lord, I do pray that we would be faithful to fix our eyes upon Jesus Christ. That we would look to him and run in such ways to win the prize. That we would look to him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, as we go through individual life transitions, family transitions, church transitions, we want to take you seriously. In Christ's name, amen. Can I invite you to stand as we sing our final song?
our strength in your mighty name. Our peace in the darkest day remains, Jesus. This we know, we will see the enemy run. This we know, we will see the victory come. We hold on to every promise you ever made. Jesus, you are unfailing. always want to remember is our God. He remains on the throne. Life, there's many changes always, transitions. Transitions aren't bad, but we need to handle them well. 
Stay faithful to your calling, whatever that is. Stay faithful to your calling before the Lord. Honor Jesus Christ. Serve the Lord faithfully. Persevere. Fix your eyes upon Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Father, as we go, we do thank you that you go with us. We are not alone. Lord Jesus, we thank you for those times when we have faced major transitions in our lives and there has been somebody there, an Elisha, in our lives. I pray that we would be that to others. Father, watch over these dear people. Keep them safe this week. May you be honored and glorified in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.